Uh, we have a new mascot named Uppy, and it, it wasn't that we just wanted a mascot. We, we wanted to add on or innovate with the experience. And so years we've been talking about mascots, right? Everyone's like, oh, you got to have a mascot. You got to have a mascot. And I was like, I just don't want a mascot just to have a mascot. You know, it's got to have meaning. There's got to be a reason why. And so I think that's a great example of something that we work together as a team over a year or so of creating this mascot and not just what the costume would look like, but how it would inter interact with guests and how that would improve the guest experience from just visiting the park or having a, a party at the park, you know, whatever it is to, to make sure it's improving that guest experience. Welcome to the Attraction Pros Podcast, where we discuss the latest trends and challenges facing the attractions industry today. We chat with some of the top leaders in the field and provide resources that will help develop your career in this great industry. I am Josh Liebman. I am obsessed with the guest experience and helping attractions make that their top priority for success. And I'm Matt Heller. I am passionate about organizational effectiveness, leadership development, and employee engagement. Now sit upright, hold on tight, and get ready for the Attraction Pros Podcast. Hey, Matt, how's it going? It's going fantastically, Josh. How are you? Ah, doing so well. Always good to hear a, a fantastic. Yay! Question for you. Yes, sir. What are your thoughts on employees having fun at work? I think it should be um, discouraged. I don't think people should be able to have fun at all, anytime, anywhere. I don't believe you in the slightest. <laughs> It's funny because our guest today, Brad Collins, said something that I have said many times, and so we are very much in tune that way, and that is that if we're not having fun, something's wrong. Mm -hmm. um, so I absolutely do believe uh, employees should be having fun at work, and as leaders, it's our job to encourage that and to set the, set the example and be the role model. But I also think just from an employee standpoint, we're working in a fun environment, right? And yes, we have work to do. I mean, there's there's things that we have to do, things we have to accomplish. We have to uh, focus on safety and efficiency and all those type of things. But at the same time, we can do it in a fun way. And I think that not only helps the employee's day go by faster and gives them more fulfillment, but obviously it also helps the guests. So yes, I think employees should have fun at work. Yeah. And, you know, I think the interesting thing is uh, the way that that's communicated to employees, because I've, I've seen it in ways that uh, that basically stress that you better be having fun or else. Right. And, and that kind of uh, maybe backfires what the actual what the actual goal is, because I, we all have bad days. Right. We all we all have struggles in our lives, you know, whatever it is. And, and there might be a, a day where we're coming into work because we have to, and we might rather be somewhere else, might rather just be lying in bed all day doing nothing or, or watching Netflix, whatever it is. Uh, and, and maybe there's something completely externally not work-related or whatever that's going on in our lives. And the way uh, that employees are told that they have to have fun because it's good for the environment uh, is good for the work culture and the environment, not necessarily like the environment, but you know what I mean? I don't yeah. know. Um, <laughs> not like single use plastics, good, you know, bad for the environment, right? But uh, it, if the employee's not in a good mood and then they're told to cheer up and smile, that that definitely can have negative consequences. So I've, I've always thought about it uh, and, and thinking of the best ways to communicate kind of the reverse of it, of saying, 
it's not that you have to have fun. It's not that you have to smile. It's that you can take everything that's going in your life and set it aside for the time that you're working. Or you have you have the ability, you have the permission to kind of let go of that, put it on pause. And then you find that work is, is almost like therapeutic and very much recharging. And when you go back to face your challenges afterwards, then you do it with a with a clearer mind. And, and the same goes from the guest standpoint as well. And we talk about the escapism that the industry provides. So uh, just things that I think about from time to time. Yeah. Well, I think permission is a good word there because... I think as human beings, it can be hard to compartmentalize those things, right? If you have troubles at home and are in, in your life and you're coming into work, well, those pr- troubles don't go away. You know what I mean? And, and they may, may be weighing on your mind, but if you do have permission and there's an, a, a culture of, you know, being, um, you know, or having fun and kind of having, having the ability to just kind of let those things go, um, then it's easier to kind of get yourself in that mindset. Right. And then obviously, like we, we've said with guests, you know, their troubles will be there when they, when they leave. Um, but it's, it's that permission, I think that allows people to kind of be themselves and maybe they are having a bad day. And again, we'll go back to something that, well, I guess we'll preview something that Brad's going to say too, which is that, you know, sometimes they may just need somebody to listen to them, or they may just need a couple of minutes to, to themselves to kind of figure things out and get them get, get themselves in the right mindset. And so that, again, comes back to leadership and how we, how we look at that and how we react to, to that situation, knowing that it can be hard for people to kind of compartmentalize. Um, total aside, um, a number of years ago, I read a book on retail and it's, you know, same things happen in theme parks and, and, um, and different locations where there's this kind of landing strip, right? When you come in, when you first come into the door of a uptown jungle or, a you know, islands of adventure or wherever, there's this opportunity for you to kind of get into the right space physically, but also get into the right headspace. So like when you walk into a retail um, uh, location, some of the things that are going to be in the front, you may not look at right away. You know, it might just kind of be eye candy and things like that. And then you kind of move to the back of the store and then you come to the front and it's kind of the same, like with, you know, if you think about islands of adventure, you go in and do you stop at the gift shop that's on the left first. No, you go into the park and you, you know, you go to Harry Potter, you go to the Hulk, whatever, and then you stop at stop on, on the way back. But you, you get this opportunity to get yourself in the right mindset. And I think team members have that same thing, whether it's their commute to work, it's when they first get there, it's the time to kind of kind of wash off the, the stuff that they've been going through at home. You know, they clock in, they talk to their coworkers a little bit, and then they get into the into their in their job for the day. That's that same concept. So we have to have an opportunity for us to kind of change our mindset from being at home, that compartment to being at work into a different compartment. Well, Matt, if I didn't know better, uh, it sounds like there's a, a strong intersection between the guests and the <laughs> that you just pointed out. And that's uh, one of the many uh, intersectional points there. And you know what? We, we even get into a few more in, in this interview. So uh, Brad Collins, he is uh, the president and COO of Uptown Jungle Fun Parks. As of right now, they have eight locations. Their ninth is underway. 
I, we talk about things like having fun at work. We talk about the intersection of guest and employee experience, just like you brought up right there. Uh, we talk about betting on your people, which is a, a really interesting one as well. And, uh, and being able to make those, those calculated decisions and, and some of those investments, even if they don't necessarily have a, a direct return. Uh, and we talk about innovating the guest experience as well. So this is a, a, just such a, a fascinating conversation and interview. And one of the things that goes along with everything you just said to Brad's way of thinking is about the long term, right? It's easy, it's easy to make a decision that seems to be the best for what we're doing right now, right this minute. Um, but is that really going to be the best decision a month from now, two months from now, 10 years from now? So that's a really different way to kind of look at things from, from the, the length of time that that decision is going to have an impact. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, so much of, of the conversation, the interview that we have with Brad is very much focused on on the the human elements and, and interpersonal, whether it is about guest experience, employee experience, or both of those together. So uh, what do you say? Should we get to this uh, interview with Brad? Let's do it. Let's jump right in. Brad Collins, welcome to the Attraction Pros podcast. How you doing? Great. Thank you. Excited to be here with you guys. We are so excited to have you here and jump into this conversation. Um, can, first of all, you tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, your career? Yeah, so I am the president and COO of Uptown Jungle Fun Parks. Um, I was born and raised in San Diego, moved to Phoenix about six years ago uh, with my wife and five kids. I think the best way people that work with me closely describe me as I'm willing to do whatever it takes so the team can win. Um, I think that's about me in a nutshell. I, I am an optimist. I firmly believe that everything's figure outable. Um, I think it's kind of a, I don't know if you ever read that book or heard that phrase, but it's from Marie Forleo. It's a great book. Great phrase. Well, as an optimist myself, I'm going to steal that. Um, so everything is figure outable. I love that. Yeah, it definitely is. <laughs> cool. So tell us a little bit more about Uptown Jungle. And actually, my, my first question is, what, what is the name? What is Uptown Jungle? What does that mean? <laughs> um, you know, we went through a lot of names when we were figuring that out. And we just wanted something to describe a, a fun, crazy place for kids. Uh, we, we started uh, back in 2014. And in 2013, it was actually my, my father and his childhood best friend, uh, they, they saw, you know, the, the trampoline park industry was, was booming. It's kind of like they were popping up everywhere. And um, they, they attended some and said, hey, we, we're loving these trampoline parks. We bring our kids to them all the time. Why don't we come up with something that's similar, but maybe with even more activities? And the idea was, was started. Um, so we're not a franchise, we're, we're all corporately owned. Um, and I, I started uh, very early on um, helping my father a little bit with some of the financial stuff in the background. And slowly but surely, my little bit of help turned into a whole lot of help. Um, and here I am today. Um, <clears throat> so when we first started, we had, we had no idea about IAPA or about vendors to contact or, or anything like that. And so we kind of threw together our first park um, in 2014. It was definitely kind of a beta project. Um, even had some used equipment, we were figuring it out. Uh, but then we started learning the industry, uh, meeting vendors and industry professionals. 
And fast forward eight years later, we have a total of eight parks and our ninth is currently being built. So those nine parks are in Southern California, Arizona and Nevada. And we don't have any set plans to, to build beyond that right now, but I'm, I'm sure, uh, and, or I hope at least in a few years that we'll, we'll be expanding even more and reaching new markets. Um, the best way I describe it is, is uh, we have trampolines, we have climbing walls, we have obstacle courses and play structures. We definitely cater to children uh, two years old to I would say about 10 years old. And so I think that sets us apart quite a bit as a lot of others in the industry are are going for older kids or young adults and, and things like that. We have all the little kids at our park. So we open bright and early at 9 a.m. Every, every weekday morning and fill the place up with toddlers. <laughs> so when you walk into an uptown jungle, it's, it's uh, definitely eye candy. You know, we design it really well. Um, I think back when I was a kid of DZ Discovery Zone, I think I've heard that comment a lot from others that were similar to that, or it reminds them of that in their childhood, uh, which is kind of exciting because I loved going there when I was a kid. Um, but yeah, it's just uh, high energy, uh, lots of happy screaming, and um, a lot of fun. And and uh, I think the the best compliment we get is is you know when the kids are falling asleep in the car on the way home. That's our goal. We wear them out. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny, Brad, I was looking at, at the website and uh, under memberships, I think the first line is um, wearing out your kids has never been easier, right? <laughs> I think it's something like that. So obviously you're targeting the parents uh, with that with that statement. But um, can you tell us a little bit more about kind of that length of stay? So how long does it take to wear out the kids? And it may be different depending on the kids, but kind of what is your common, um, what, what are you seeing commonly in terms of like length of stay and, and how long people are enjoying the activities? Yeah, so all our admissions are based on time. I would say on average, uh, people stay 90 to 120 minutes is pretty typical. And uh, with everything going on there, that, that's plenty enough to, to build up a sweat and uh, wear yourself out. That, that's for adults and kids. Yeah. 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 I was say, Matt and I, we, we went to a trampoline park once a, a few years ago. And after an hour, I think we were both like, it was the beginning of the day. We're like, <laughs> yeah, boy, for the rest of the day. Um, Brad, there was one thing that, that you mentioned a few minutes ago that I'm wondering if uh, we can come back to you. You said with, uh, with the eight parks and the ninth on the way, um, you specifically mentioned that it's, it's all corporate owned, not franchising. Uh, wondering if you can share a little bit about kind of that decision or maybe even, uh, just the pros and cons of it. Cause in the, in the FEC space and in the trampoline park space, that's, uh, you know, there, there's so many business models that, that are franchised. So we'd love to know why uh, you prefer to, to keep it all, uh, owned and operated. Yeah. Um, I think right now we're, we're, uh, it's just kind of a result of how we started that we continued with and that we have um, an individual group of investors for every location. Um, but one thing that we do really like is um, I, I'm not putting down the franchise model. I've seen franchises that do things beautifully. But one thing we always wanted is to make sure we have control on, on how things are, are running and looking, um, the experience. Uh, we're constantly innovating in the sense of how we, I should say, we're constantly innovating about the guest experience. And so we're always trying new things. 
And so, yeah, you need that, that direct communication and, and direct line of management to constantly implement, um, change, improve, um, all those sort of things. So that's our reason. I, I don't <laughs> to put down anybody else, but, but uh, that's, that's one of the reasons why we, we do it that way. Absolutely. Uh, Brad, can you um, talk a little bit more about the innovating about the guest experience and maybe give us an example of what that might look like? Yeah, I, I mean, you brought up uh, our membership program uh, not too long ago. That, that actually isn't that old of a program for us. Um, we wanted to create a way for uh, guests to come back more. We wanted to create a way for it to be affordable for guests and make it easy for them to come um, and also give them perks. So they kind of feel like they belong more and it kind of creates that sense of community. And so that's why we created the, the membership program. And even along the way, after we created it, there was constant tweaks in it as we you know, received feedback from, from those guests. Um, we also just launched a, a, a new uh, YouTube series. I mean, it's like brain brand new, it just came out. Uh, we have a new mascot named Uppy and it, it wasn't that we just wanted a mascot. We, we wanted to add on or innovate with the experience. And so years we've been talking about mascots, right? Everyone's like, oh, you got to have a mascot. You got to have a mascot. And I was like, I just don't want a mascot just to have a mascot. You know, it's got to have meaning. There's got to be a reason why. And so I think that's a great example of something that we work together as a team over a year or so of creating this mascot and not just what the costume would look like, but how it would inter interact with guests and how that would improve the guest experience from just visiting the park or having a, a party at the park, you know, whatever it is. To, to make sure it's improving that guest experience. So can you expand on that a little bit on kind of how the, the creation of the mascot was done so with that intentionality? So it wasn't a, a mascot for the sake of having a mascot, but that it, it truly integrated with the brand and helped to, to improve the guest or enhance the guest experience as well. Okay. Yeah, so um, I, I, I tend to always go back on people, right? It, it's our people and, and um, and my, my brother, my younger brother works for the company as well. And he is a, a very talented person. I, I got the math and numbers brain and he got the create, creative brain. We're kind of opposites in that way. And I, I knew that he had a gift of videography and creation. Um, we also have another employee here that, that works in the office here with me that started as a part-time employee in the park, but I've always seeing that he's amazing with storytelling and uh, creativity as well. And so uh, you just have to kind of bet on your people sometimes and it's, it's tough and you have to trust them, but you know, it, it wasn't a, a cheap or easy thing to pull off. Um, but I, I bet it on them. I knew if I handed it to them and asked them to run with it and we, we, got in we were aligned with what the vision was um i knew they were plenty not just capable but really talented to not just do it but do it very well and so um very exciting that we just launched that um just because there's a lot of hard work um behind those two of, of what they put into it a lot of a lot of thinking a lot of creativity a lot of planning um so yeah 
So Brad, you, you mentioned the phrase bet on your people. And I love that. I wrote that down. I think it's a, it's a great way to think about the, the people that you are, you're working with because you're really investing in them, right? You're investing your time, your um, expertise and your guidance, but you're also allowing them to kind of bring their natural talents to the, to the forefront. Um, but like you said, that can also be um, difficult because it could take more time. It may not come out the way you thought it was going to all, you know, all those, all those things that go through your mind. So can you tell us a little bit more about your bet on your people philosophy and, and how you, how you bring that to life every day? Yeah, I, I think I, I do it constantly. And it's not just with the mascot, but, you know, I constantly thinking, Hey, if I put this person or I find this type of person and to put in this position, um, you know, financially speaking, is, is it going to make dollars and cents? Uh, how, how does that, how does that work out? And I think, I think you have to kind of determine that first. Um, it, it's got to make sense or as a business, you can't do that over and over because you'll just lose money. You'll bleed money. <laughs> so you have to put a plan together of identifying how that person's strengths can, can add to the business. Um, and sometimes it's not, it's not direct dollars. Like perfect example is, is Uppy, our mascot and, and the YouTube channel. You know, we, we got it launched and, and right now it may not seem it's adding direct dollars every day uh, to our business. But long-term, we see what it can do for our branding, what it can do for the connection it makes with our guests and fans, uh, the experience it creates in our parks. Um, there may not even be a way to directly track that dollar for dollar. Um, but if you put a plan together um, that, you know, that the, the end result of what that person can do uh, will, will pay off financially or, or in, in other ways, uh, then, then you follow it and um, you have to trust them. Um, if, if, if there's a person not doing it right, it's, it's usually the leader's fault. So uh, if, if it's not working, you have to, you know, kind of look introspectively and, and figure out why it's not working and how you can support that person better. Yeah. Uh, and I was going to ask, you know, how do you, when, when you talk about betting on your people, uh, kind of the importance of hedging your bet, or you, you say, you know, there, there's some of those that don't necessarily have that direct uh, dollar back. And you talk about the YouTube channel and knowing that that is, that that is a long-term, uh, long-term goal right there. Uh, how do you then uh, allow yourself to bet on your people or kind of make these, make these types of investments and things that might not necessarily have that direct impact back to the bottom line, but knowing that they're a, a long-term goal and kind of, um, you know, you talked about trusting your people, but also I would say trusting the process as well. Yeah. It's hard sometimes, you know, like uh, just coming to the example after a few days, I'm like, why don't we have 10,000 subscribers on YouTube yet? You know, it's like you want it to happen so fast and, and quickly um, and especially when you put so much, uh, time and effort behind it. Um, but, um, yeah, it's just, it's just sticking to, to the vision and the goal. Um, I think it's just those constant, uh, meetings and conversations. Um, sometimes you might find your, yourself or others a little misaligned, as uh, that they might get a little off track or start thinking differently or, something might be hard. And so they might go for the second best instead of keep striving for the first best idea. Um, so it just takes a lot of alignment. Um, so it's definitely the, the leader's job to uh, keep them aligned and um, meet with them often, make sure they're supported and make, make them feel like they're, they're, they're 
working towards that goal. And sometimes it's a really long ways away. So you have to keep reminding them over and over again. Um, but if worse comes to worse, and let's say it doesn't work out, I would imagine that if you're willing to bet on that person because of their talents, that there's definitely something else or somewhere else or a similar idea, or maybe you learned a lesson along the way or a new idea that you could definitely find and put them into. Um, I've, I've, and, and when I talk about betting on your people, you're betting on your best people. I've, I've heard the quote before that you put your best people on your biggest problems, right? And so these are some of your best people, um, whether it's a, a mascot or finding a new way to clean your facility or whatever it is, I'm pretty sure those people, if they're that good, can, can figure that out for you or, or work on a new project. Um, well, and I would think, Brad, part of that process is finding out what those talents are, right? I mean, you could have a frontline employee that comes in and, you know, you hire them to work at the attractions and they could be amazing at something that if you didn't have the conversation with them or you didn't get to know them, you wouldn't know that about them. So do you have ways that you go about finding that out or is it just kind of through organic conversation? It's both. I think it's definitely organic, but I think that the organic side of it comes from the environment that's created at, and at, at work. And so I think people have to trust you. They have to, I'm, I'm big about having fun. And so they have to feel comfortable about having fun and being themselves. And as, as you, you have to make them feel also that you have their back, that even if they mess up, that that you still have their back and you're going to work through it. You don't want them to be scared or have fear or anything like that. And so if, if, if you're creating a really good culture, really good work environment, I believe those organic things naturally come out or uh, that employee won't be scared or nervous to bring up like, Hey, I really like doing my job right now. It's great, but I I'm actually very talented at this. And I'd love to see if I could use this and something here at Uptown Jungle. Um, and I think that's a perfect example as I shared about our employee that was started as a part-time employee at one of our parks. And, and now he's uh, creating the, the story of up your mascot, you know, and, and it didn't come instantaneously, but it took time to build that relationship and trust where I could see that he had a talent, you know, because I saw in the park that when the toddlers were there, he decided to dress up as a pirate and lead him around for a treasure hunt or things like that. You know, he, he felt comfortable to do that. He wasn't scared. He didn't hold back. And um, so it started out in, in the park and creating a better experience for the guests. So I'm wondering if we could actually follow that trail a little bit. So we, you know, we talk about kind of, you know, betting on your people and sort of giving them the opportunity uh, to maybe kind of extend beyond their job duties. And you talk about those, uh, you know, those conversations and uh, with the culture ha that happening organically. And then, you know, the employee who's hired as a part-time employee now, now has a role that's much bigger than, uh, uh, or much more expanded perhaps than, than what they were initially hired to do. Uh, turning that into, I, I would say like long-term benefits for the business as far as, uh, you know, employee retention, uh, reduced turnover, employee lo uh, loyalty, uh, and down to the guest experience. What do you see as, as those being kind of uh, the long-term benefits that maybe th those are those things that don't necessarily have that immediate ROI, where are the 10,000 YouTube subscribers going to find away, but you know that, uh, that these are overall long-term benefits to the business. 
Yeah, I, and, and I'll kind of share something related to that. You know, we kind of have a, a path, if you will, of, in our, our full-time employees of, of growth. And I always get really disappointed when it's, there's a position open and we don't have someone ready to fill that position. You know, we have all these other parks and sometimes people move lo different locations in, in order to take on a new job. But I, I consider a bit of a failure when we have an open job and we don't have anybody ready to fill that. That means we didn't develop that person, anybody for that. And so that's, that's something we focus on a lot is developing our people. Um, so that way they're, they're ready for, uh, something else. But as you, as you do that, I, I, I love promoting some, somebody when that does happen, it's, it's excellent. It feels good. It's, it makes my job so fulfilling to see people grow like that. And so, <clears throat> and so when you, when you promote somebody else, other people see it and they're like, wow, that I used to work with that person. Like, and now they're, they're this, they're, they're in this management position, you know, that's amazing. And so I, I always can tell there's some excitement, you know, when people do get promoted and, and grow into that. It, it, it trickles throughout the organization when it happens and it makes people excited. And I hope that it shows everyone that, that we trust them and that if, if they want it and they want to earn that type of job and, and develop that we are 100% behind them. That's really cool. And I, I love the fact that your attitude is that if somebody hasn't, if you, if you don't have somebody ready, right, then you look inward and say, maybe we didn't do something right. We didn't develop them. Um, so I'm curious when you talk about, you know, somebody moving through the, the ranks, if you will, in your organization, what are those things that you are helping them to develop? I'm sure it's, you know, financial literacy and, you know, how the business works, but also there's a lot of people skills that go along with that. So I'm just kind of curious if we could, as Josh and I like to say, peel back the onion a little bit about your process in developing the next generation of leaders. Yeah, I think it just starts out identifying the type of people <clears throat> that you want in your, in, in your organization. Um, and, and I'm sure it's similar across the board, but, you know, we want somebody who can, who can critical think, um, and is smart about it. Uh, they can receive feedback without being offended or ruining their day. That they 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 seek feedback, and uh, that they just want it. They want to grow. They're excited to come into work. So it kind of starts as that, you know. And you kind of you can, you can identify those people pretty early on. And uh, I think the hardest part is when you do find those people. Usually they already have a life goal. You know. Oh yeah, I'm I'm set here. I'm going to go to school. I'm going to go. And the healthcare, whatever it is, you're like, oh, that, that's great. You know, I'm happy for you. And, and so uh, the way we look at it is, is we hope that one way or another, if, if someone's plan is to stay at Uptown Jungle for their whole career, or they're just here for a year, you know, to get them through school or something like that, or until they go to school or until this, this job starts, whatever it is, that one way or another, another that Uptown Jungle, or at least their time at Uptown Jungle, is a stepping stone closer to their goal. And so uh, we, we, we treat everybody the same in that way that we try to develop everybody. Um, our, our company um, motto is, is to build and inspire others so everyone leaves better than they came. So that definitely applies to our employees. And so we wanna make sure that they all have a good experience and that they, they learn, that they grew. 
And um, so once we kind of identify those people, uh, we kind of put them, we start putting them through the development process. And if they truly wanted it, it goes pretty quick. Um, but but there, there are definitely some, there's always, uh, everybody's different, but there's always some kind of issue of, of what they have not experienced before, whether it's a level of professionalism or uh, what it means to be a full-time employee. Uh, you know, all, all these different things that, that are, in a way, just life lessons when it comes to employment, but, um, but that we hope, hope to teach them and, and you just have to work through them. And um, every, I know I get, you know, everyone asks like, they'll be working for a month, like, hey, can I get promoted? Can I get promoted? And, and you know, it, it, it just takes time. It takes time and experience to, to learn those lessons. And so um, even as much as the employer, even ourselves wants somebody to be ready right away, it, it, it just takes time. But with that, right time and doing the right thing and, and sticking to what we're teaching and, and preaching at our parks for our employees, it, it works out. So Brad, there's this uh, topic that Matt and I have been exploring a lot lately and it's very much the, the intersection of guest and employee experience. And uh, there's something that struck out there when you, when you said, uh, well, there was a mission or, or the vision, I, I can't remember, but, but to build and inspire others so that they leave better than they came. Um, and that you said that it, that that goes for both guests and employees. Can you talk about, uh, I would say the intersection or really how those weave together that that applies to the guest experience as well as the employee experience? Yeah, um, that's a that's a great question, a great point. I do not think there's that much of a difference between the guest experience and the employee experience. Obviously, employees have some key responsibilities that they have to fulfill. I get that. But our, our hope is, is always um, that the employees um, have, a, have a good experience, that they, they come to work and have fun. You know, when they walk through the door of the building, they're able to kind of check themselves and leave whatever's happening outside of work and leave it outside of work, that they can, they can forget for a bit of time while they're working, having fun, any troubles they're having. I think it's safe to say that every person in this world is having some kind of struggle. That's life, right? Uh, there's always something. And so um, we hope, I mean, obviously we hope that for guests, that they can come in, they can, they can play like crazy and have fun and just have such wholesome playtime that they can forget about any of their troubles. But we strive to do that as well for the employees, not because we're keeping them busy because they're working hard, but because they're having fun while they're doing it. Um, I would say there's a problem when, when um, our employees aren't having fun. Uh, we, we talk a lot about the concept of good versus great with how our employees do their jobs. And it's, it's sometimes it's not training. It's, it's really just a choice of the employee of, of their attitude. Uh, you know, if someone's monitoring the trampolines, they can just stand there uh, kind of lazily looking around. They're still doing their job. They're still doing their job. But uh, there's another employee who could be having the time of their life as they're interacting with kids on the trampoline, uh, you know, laughing at them, cheering them on, uh, just having fun with them. And, and it's, it, it, it can be a lot of fun. And so it's important to create that atmosphere within the team that work is fun. Um, 
but we also have to do responsibilities. But I, I think you hit it on the head. I think that's a great point um, about the difference of the experience of the guest and the employee. And that's one thing we strive for to not make that much different. Employees can, can, can have fun and play while they're, they're working and doing their responsibilities. Well, and you brought up the concept of choice, right? We all have choices uh, in life and we can choose to let our problems drag us down or we can choose to be an optimist and figure it out, right? You've, you've mentioned figuring it out a couple of times. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that example, when you shared the, the, the team member who decided to dress up as a pirate and, and go around and tell stories, that was a choice that they made. Um, I also recognize, obviously, that when someone new comes in, it takes them a while to sort of be comfortable with your culture, right? And you may say, let's go have fun. But in their last job, you know, they weren't allowed to have fun, or it wasn't a fun job or that, yeah, that kind of thing. So it takes some time to not only get those YouTube visitors, right, but it also takes time to, to build the culture. And then when you have a new person coming in, it takes time for them to really understand and, and buy into the culture. Right. So I guess my question then is from a leadership standpoint, you know, what are the steps you're taking to ensure let's talk about frontline employees that when they come in, they understand and they buy in and then they can make the choice of I'm going to make the choice to have more fun while I'm watching the trampoline than just to stand there and 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 just kind of let time go by. Yeah, I, I think that it starts, obviously, with the interview and choosing really good people. <clears throat> typically, especially when we open a new location, you know, we have, we're hiring a lot of employees at once. So we like to focus on group interviews, but the majority of those group interviews are us playing games um, or activities um, and things like that, because you want to see who, who in the group is comfortable right then there, because they're kind of exposing themselves, you know, to people they've never met before. Someone who, you know, it's technically an interview, uh, but who's who's willing to expose themselves and and um, and have some fun and um, open up and and let their guard down, and so you can usually know pretty quickly by that. Uh, another aspect is, you know, sometimes certain employees are having just a tough day. You know, it is, and so it's very important for the leadership if they notice employee just just not being themselves or know they're having a tough day or whatever it is to, you know, first of all, call them in and check on them. See if there's anything they need. Um, maybe they, they just need the day off or maybe they just need someone to talk to, or maybe they just needed a, a 15 minute break to collect themselves or whatever it is. Uh, but it's important for the leader to be cognizant of that and, and look out for their team. Um, but but yeah, there I've I've seen instances where we've we've made a wrong hire, and it's a team meeting, and everyone's like, "Yay, we're gonna go clean!" And everyone starts turning on music and dancing, and you have one employee kind of standing in the back, like, "Uh, this isn't for me. You know, I, I'm not enjoying this." And that's okay, and that's totally okay. Uh, the The job is not for everybody. Um, I think it's for a lot of people and a majority of people, but yeah, there's definitely certain people that, that, um, that the job just doesn't work for them. And, and I say that for extroverts and introverts, you know, it's, it's not like you have to be an extrovert to be able to work at Uptown Jungle. I've seen introverts do it just as well. Um, they find ways to make it work and have fun and, and uh, really enjoy their job. 
you know, continuing on this topic of, of having fun at work or the importance of that, you know, you mentioned earlier and kind of looking at both the guest and employee experience that, you know, it, everyone has some sort of struggle going on, whether it's, you know, the, the guest who's coming for the escapism purpose at, you know, at, at Uptown Jungle or, or the employee just kind of, you know, natural things in their lives. Uh, and wondering how, how you're able to connect that with the importance of having fun at work in a way that makes, to make sure it's not coming across as, you cannot have a bad day when you're coming here, but you can allow yourself the same escapism that our guests are coming here for. So it's saying, you know, it's it's not gonna not gonna eliminate the struggle. Car broke down, broke up with your girlfriend, boyfriend, you know, whatever it is, but that you can allow yourself to disconnect from that through your shift and from the time you park your car till the time you get back in your car. Uh, it's not that you have to have fun, but you can allow yourself to put that aside and focus on a fun environment. Is that, does that make sense? Just curious as far as like how that can be um, best communicated to frontline staff. So they know that, yeah, it's a choice uh, and that they're, you know, it's not that they can't have a bad day, but that they can put that aside. Right. Yeah. I think it, it starts with the leader and that they have to be <clears throat> a, a good example of that. <clears throat> I've, I've had uh you know, like a general, we have a general manager. That's the primary person responsible for everything at our park. And we've hired general managers who you know, are much more introverted or quiet, but they recognize the importance of having fun and, <clears throat> excuse me, showing an employee that, that it's, it's okay to open up and be fun and have fun because if they see the leader doing it, they're going to know it's okay to do as well. They're, they're going to follow suit. They follow suit very closely. And so the leader has to find a very, very good balance of, you know, enforcing policies and rules, uh, making sure that um, employees are doing their jobs right, making sure responsibilities are being fulfilled. And sometimes that requires tough conversations. And and so they have to find that balance between um, having fun, enjoying what they're doing, uh, showing employees it's okay to do that, and helping them find where, where that, that fine line is that, that they don't want them to cross of, of having too much fun to the point that they're neglecting responsibilities. Um, but that leader's job is also to build that trust and build that environment uh, so that way they that person feels very, very comfortable there, um, that, that they know it's, uh, it feels safe to work there. <clears throat> and so um, I, I think a lot about um, just, just how work can be fulfilling um, and, and that even these, you know, a 15 year old who's in high school can come to work and be fulfilled by what they do. Um, it's very gratifying, it's very fulfilling. Um, it's not just about having fun, but it's about uh, finding that fulfillment in what they're doing and finding uh, you know, a sense of purpose of, of what they're doing as well. 
And I would also imagine for young folks, it's about building confidence in the workplace too, right? You know, a lot of them probably it's their first job or, you know, one of their first jobs. And so building confidence, building skills, um, you know, working on customer service skills. I mean, we talk about that all the time. If you can, if you can work at a family entertainment center, if you can work at a theme park, if you can work, you know, with these high volumes of people, you can go just about anywhere and be successful because you've had all these crash courses in dealing with people. Um, so, and I I could talk about people all day long. I think, you know, Josh knows that and, and you probably know that too, Brad. Um, but I'd like to change gears just here for a little bit because well, we've been talking a lot about, you know, Uptown Jungle. We kind of heard about some of the activities and, and the way you got into it. Um, but I'd also like to hear your thoughts on where do you think the industry is going? Because when you say FEC now, I mean, that's such a, a wide ranging um, uh, uh descriptor of what an attraction might be. So I'm just curious, kind of where do you see the industry going? Yeah, that's a great question. <clears throat> you know, right now things are really interesting. I, we hear a lot about a, a uh, looming recession. Um, our, our political landscape keeps becoming more and more divided. And I, I believe that the need for escape or escapism is, is going to grow. Um, we shouldn't be thinking about all that stuff all the time, right? We, we need to have fun. Uh, we need to have that escape. But I think that escapism primarily comes through <clears throat> immersion and kind of like kind of connectivity that we have to <clears throat> get, get our guests immersed in the experience to the point they forget about all that stuff. Um, and whether it's they're connecting with the storytelling or the experience or the service being offered or <clears throat> some really good food or just the fun they're having. Um, <clears throat> even for parents, I, I know some of the better experiences we have at Uptown Jungle is when a parent sees their kid having an amazing experience with whatever, whatever it is going on and they get a sense of feeling like, oh, I'm so happy that my child has that experience. I think a poor example of that is uh, is kind of what we see what's going on like in, in big box retail, not to bash anybody, but I, I, I think when I was a kid, uh, you know, going like holiday shopping or back to school shopping, it was a thing, you know, you went to a mall and it's always an experience or you went to go see Santa or something like that or or go look at all the toys that are coming out. You know, there's a lot of excitement that that went around that. Um, you know, I, I think of some of the movies like um, uh, Christmas Story or, or, you know, things like that, where, you know, there's these big experiences built about the built around this retail experience. And, and it's just not there anymore. Um, you just don't see it now. Now it's about, you know, getting your Black Friday deals and getting in and out of there and surviving the crowds. And so I, I, I think that that connection that needs to be made with, with guests is key. And I think that will, I think that will, will, the need for it will continue. The desire for it will, will grow. And so I think in, in whatever reason or whatever way, uh, FECs need to find that connection with their guests. Um, a lot of that's the reason why we came out with our mascot is, is to create a stronger connection with our guests. And I think it can be applied to FECs or a zoo or a museum or 
a bowling alley, whatever it is, you have to find, find who your guest is and hone in on that and create that connection. I think a lot of people make the mistake and I feel like I see it all the time where it's like, yeah, we cater to all ages, you know, and for everybody. I'm like, it probably, it, it may be, and it probably is, but until you really dial in on, on exactly who that is, you're, you're, you're catering to, it, you won't create as much of a, a strong connection. Um, and, and, and that can be in many ways. It, it, like I said, it can be the service offered or the experience created, or maybe there's a, a theme or a storytelling throughout the experience or, or just the, the level of fun or memories made. Um, but I, I think that's where it's headed. And I think that the demand for it will grow uh, just, just based on, on where things are at right now. Mm. Excellent. Uh, Brad, this has been uh, such an awesome conversation. I feel like we could uh, we could continue this for for hours and hours. We'll have to uh, schedule a part two sometime. I, in the meantime, though, if people wanted to learn more about Uptown Jungle, if they wanted to get a hold of you directly, where would you send them? Uh, best place is to probably find me on LinkedIn uh, to to find me uh, to learn more about Uptown Jungle. Probably best to visit our website at uh, uptownjungle.com. Or if you're in uh, California, Nevada, Arizona, just come on in and uh, have some fun. That's awesome. Uh, Brad, like, like Josh said, this has been a great conversation. Wondering if you have any sort of last words of, of insight or wisdom that you'd like to share. Um, yeah, I think I, I would like to share that I consider myself a visionary. I'm, I'm not Walt Disney, I'm not Elon Musk, I'm, I'm nobody like that. I don't come up with those, those crazy big ideas um, to create some fantasy land or anything like that. Uh, but I do catch a vision on many of the small things. Maybe it's on how our cash is counted or maybe it's on how our facility clean or how the guest, the guest experiences when they walk in the door. Um, but I think my, my biggest advice is that everyone can be a visionary. You just have to figure out what that, that vision is and, and work like crazy to achieve it. Excellent. Well said. Uh, great note to end on as well. So, Brad, thank you so much for your time today. We really appreciate the opportunity to chat with you. And for everyone out there who is watching and listening, just remember, we are all attraction pros. Thanks for listening to the Attraction Pros Podcast. Make sure to subscribe so you can tune in when new episodes release. And even better, please leave us a review on iTunes. For more information, visit attractionpros.com.